0: Welcome and thank you for listening to the Okuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. Today, Pastor Humbi Cervera will share a message with you. We hope you enjoy it. So far this year, we've been talking about fruit. Now, the reason we've been doing that is because at the start of this year, we got a word that our church would be fruitful. Now, because of that, we have learned that we need to plant our roots deep into God's living water, which is the Holy Spirit. So spiritual fruit can be produced in our lives. After we are able to figure out that concept, we started looking at each piece of spiritual fruit, what do what they all look like. And we learned that when we dig our roots deep into God's living water, then love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are produced in our lives. We spent 10 weeks talking about these spiritual fruits. Now that we have broken them down, where do we go from here? Well, in this next series that we are starting right now, I want us to look at what can help feed our fruit. I want us to understand better how different situations in our lives can cause us to dig into God in a new way and how we can get a little bit of extra fuel to grow our fruit. Now, in the plant world, there is a, a way that we can add something to a plant to help it grow. It's called fertilizer. And fertilizers can provide a fruit tree with nutrients like potassium, phosphorus, nitrogen, which allow them to grow bigger, faster, and produce more fruit. Nitrogen in particular is an essential nutrient for the growth of every organism on earth. Nitrogen is all around us and makes up about 78% of the air you breathe. However, plants cannot use this nitrogen gas in the air. To grow plants need nitrogen compounds from the soil, which can be produced naturally or provided by fertilizers. Now, normally a fertilizer will be composed of dead plants turned into mulch. Other natural fertilizers can be made with animal manure. Now, when it comes to our lives, the same thing can happen. There can be a fertilizer for our fruit. There can be things that will feed our fruit. Think about it like this. We all go go through pretty terrible situations. Some Some people might call them crappy. Well, when we're in that situation, we have two paths that we can follow. The one is a path of inaction. We just sit there, and stay in the craft. Nothing good can come from that. All I know is that the longer you stay there, the worse it will smell. In reality, if we stay in the same place long enough, we'll actually get used to the smell and it won't be messing with us as much, even though it's still there. Even though every person that comes from the outside can smell it, you can't anymore. So that's path one. Path two is the path of action. It's the path where you get up and you put that crap to work. Just like the fertilizer with a fruit tree, we use these terrible situations in our lives to produce more fruit. And we actually see this idea at work in the biblical book of James. Now even though it's named James, the authorship of this book has been debated. Because there are a few Jameses is that are running around during this time that have been discussed as the author of this book. The people that are thought to be the authors of this book are James, the son of Zebedee and brother of John, one of the disciples, There is James, the son of Alphaeus, the cousin of Jesus. And there's also James, the father of Judas, but not the Judas that portrayed Jesus. Uh, And then finally, there's James, the half-brother of the Lord. Half-brother because James and Jesus have the same mom, but two different dads. But we can really quickly eliminate a few of these guys. The son of Zebedee and brother of John was actually martyred before this book was written. And the father of Judas didn't really play any major role in the early church. So we can knock both of those guys out. That just leaves the son of Alphaeus and, and Mary and Joseph's other son. So, in the folks, or the folks in the Catholic Church would say it's the son of Alphaeus, who's Mary's cousin. And the Catholic Church hopes that this is the case because they believe in something called Mary's perpetual virginity, which is exactly what it sounds like. They believe that for Mary's entire life, she stayed a virgin. Now, when it comes to this idea, I don't think it's necessarily the best theology. When the theologian Luke came through and put his account of Jesus' life together, he called Jesus the firstborn, which would imply that there were more children in his biological family. Not only that, but in another account of Jesus' life, this time written by Matthew, who was one of Jesus' disciples, he describes a group of people from Jesus' hometown that say they know Jesus' family. Here is how the disciple Matthew recorded what the crowd was saying that day. He's just the carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Based off this writing and a few others, we can come to a conclusion on which James authored the book of James. Let's go to theologian J. Ronald Blue and his writing in the Bible Knowledge Commentary to get this idea fully laid out. There, Blue says... It seems clear, therefore, that the author is James, the half-brother of the Lord, who became the recognized leader in the Jerusalem church. This conclusion is supported by the authoritative tone of the letter and by the marked similarities in Greek between this epistle and the speech by James recorded in Acts 15. So there we go. The book of James is written by Jesus' brother, James. Now, I know it seems like we did a lot of work for us to just go and find out who the author is of this book, but trust me, This is important. When getting into scripture, it's always important that we have context on what is going on. It's through this context that we can experience the full richness that is happening in these writings. For instance, we now know that Jesus' brother is the author of this book, so we have a better understanding at what he is writing about. So let's see how James opens up in his writing. Let's take a look at the first chapter of the book of James. There, James says, Dear brothers and sisters, when any troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Now, I really appreciate what James is writing here because I know he had to go through this in a very real way. Here's how I know this. James, even though he grew up in the same house as Jesus, was not a believer in who Jesus said he was. How do we know this? Well, we can look at another first-hand account of Jesus's life. This time, written one, by one of the disciples named John. So let's read what he has to say about Jesus's family. Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters and Jesus's brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. So we see it here. Jesus' brothers are trying to get him out there to prove himself. They want Jesus to leave and go show off his miracles so he can become famous. They said, oh, if you can do such wonderful things, Jesus' brothers didn't believe him at all, which actually kind of makes sense. I mean, think about if your parents' favorite child was said to be like God's actual son like our kid is perfect don't like seriously like literally perfect but there's no way you would believe that right the same kid that like never cleaned his room is the messiah my brother the one that picks his nose is the son of God come on there's no way so James wasn't a believer until Jesus came back from the dead you know what we celebrated last week It wasn't until James had to deal with the grief of losing a sibling and then seeing him come back to life days later that James was in on believing who Jesus was. So just imagine that. I mean, I get frustrated when I have to admit I was wrong and my sibling was right in anything. I'm like the big brother and I just need to be right over my little brother and sister because it's just The natural order of things. (laughs) But seriously, think about how much frustration you have when you have to admit to anyone, especially your sibling, that they're right about like the restaurant down the street, much less having to admit that they are in fact the savior of the world. Not only that, but think of the guilt and shame that James must have felt. He had Jesus in his life for as long as he could remember, but he never connected to who Jesus really was. So the way James opens up his book isn't of just a bunch of words. He's explaining his own experiences. So let's reread that scripture with this full context. Let's connect the dots to the life and frustration and guilt that James might have been feeling. So there, James says, Dear brothers and sisters, when any troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Like when your brother is murdered. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Like when your brother comes back to life and you get to know who God is. Now, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So at the end, James had his loyalty in the world. He looked at Jesus and couldn't see the Messiah, the one that would save everyone. What James saw was his big brother. That was probably about it. So when Jesus comes back, and it's revealed to James that Jesus is the Messiah, I can't imagine how divided his feelings would have been. You see, on one side, there's probably some sadness, broken up over it, probably guilty. There was some serious pain there. And I think it's safe to say that we could call this a crappy situation. On the other side, it lines up with what James writes about in this book. These troubles, this crappy situation actually turned into an opportunity for pure joy because it gave him the opportunity to grow his faith. He went from no faith in Jesus to all kinds of faith in Jesus. Instead of sitting in the crappy situation, he turned it around and used it to help grow more spiritual fruit in his life. He used the pain as a fruit feeder and not a fruit killer. So James became someone that served people and helped spread the message of his half-brother that he had denied for so long, especially to the people of Jewish faith. James did his best to serve the Jews of Jerusalem by preaching the gospel to them, so much so that he was eventually named the leader of the Christian church in Jerusalem. For James, he didn't let the pain of denying Jesus overwhelm him or break him down. Instead, he used that crappy situation to feed his fruit. It's probably what fueled him. It was a place where God was able to do amazing things. And this pain and crap is what literally led James on a path to help change the world. The same thing goes for us. When the world steps on us, that is a time for us to look at it as an opportunity for us to have great joy. Because this is the exact story that we will tell in the future. And it won't be a story of defeat, but it will be a story of God overcoming. This will be a story of how a crappy situation was used to feed fruit and not destroy it. Based off of all this, we have a big idea for this entire series. It's this. Pain has purpose. Pain has purpose. So James's situation and this big idea actually remind me of one of my stories. So for me, most of my time growing up, I wanted to go to the University of Texas in Austin. I had dreamt of going to school there since I was a little kid. So for all of my school days, all the way up through high school, I worked with one goal in mind, going to college at UT. Now by the time my senior year came around, my grades combined with my SAT scores were enough to get me in. So I filled out the application and didn't think twice about it because I knew I would get in that school. A month went by and I got a letter back. It had nothing to do with grades or being accepted or uh, not being accepted to the school. Instead, it told me that I forgot to include my $40 application fee. So I had to send that in for my application to be complete. Weeks later, after I included my fee, I got a letter back from the university saying I had been accepted, but since I was considered a late applicant, I was gonna be placed on the waiting list. And this list had about 12,000 people on it. My dream was all but dead. So I went to my backup school, the University of Texas at San Antonio, also known as UTSA. Now each day I spent on that campus, I hated it. I would sit there and be angry about missing out on Austin the north side of San Antonio was not where I wanted to be. And that was just the start of my life falling apart. You see, because in that same season, my high school girlfriend, who I thought I was in love with, and my entire social life centered around at that point, she cheated on me and then broke up with me soon after. I also lost a lot of friends during that time because they wanted me to spend more time with them and not that girlfriend that was running around on me at that exact time. But the cherry on top of all this was when I found out that my grandpa didn't have much time to live. You see, my grandpa was one of the first people I turned to when I needed advice. He was the main person I leaned on when stuff was going wrong. And I had to watch him waste away. Now, during this time, I remember each morning I would wake up and there would be a literal pain in my stomach. It was like someone punched me in the gut and then put a 20-pound dumbbell in there and made me carry it around all day. Because of that, I would barely like ever eat My weight dropped all the way down to 125 pounds. It was the worst season of my life. Now, if I had the understanding of mental health back then that I I do now, I would know that I was in a season of straight-up depression. I was frustrated and sad and broken. It was awful. And I just remember one day being so upset about where I was. I mean, I did everything I was supposed to do in the right way. I was a nice kid, I got good grades, I I worked hard, I did everything right. And all I got was pain. And I'll never forget this. One night, I I looked up and I shouted at God, I screamed, I was like, what was wrong with my plan? I knew what I was doing. Which is like super embarrassing for me to talk about today. Because I looked at God and I was like, hey God, I know what I'm doing. You do not know what you're doing. So, I was depressed. I was all over the place emotionally and mentally, and I was trying to figure out how I could cope with this. Did I turn to God and like praise in those moments? Did I realize that pain had purpose and I just needed to like lean into God in these moments? Of course not. I did my best to kill my pain on my own, I did my best to numb myself from feeling any of the pain. So, I partied. I drank a lot. I chased ladies. And I played so many video games. I did everything I could to make that pain I felt in my stomach go away. And you know what? It worked. I could chase it away, but only for a little bit. Because every morning I woke up, no matter what I did the night before, no matter how much fun I might have had, that pain was still waiting for me in the pit of my stomach. I didn't know that my pain had purpose. Instead of using the crappy situation to feed the fruit in my life, I just sat in it, and it only got worse. So about 18 months after the initial death of my dream of going to UT, I was done. I didn't have any emotional capacity left. I mean, I was failing in every single aspect of my life. I was in a whirlwind of sadness and anger and disappointment. And finally, it dawned on me one day, I felt like there was really only one way I could deal with this. So one day, when my family had left the house, I went uh, into the kitchen. I grabbed a knife out of the drawer. And I sat down on the kitchen floor and I, I put that knife up to my wrist and And I remember pressing down. And in that moment, just thinking that's all that I could do to make this pain go away. But I couldn't make myself, like, make the cut. I sat there with the knife pressed into my wrist for a while, and then eventually I just put the knife back in my drawer and went back to my room, even more defeated than before. I was like, I couldn't even get that right. I've never had a lower point in my entire life. There's nothing I'm more ashamed of that I've done in my entire life. At that moment, I was in so much pain that I would have rather have been dead than experience that pain anymore. What I couldn't see is that the pain I was feeling had a purpose. This was going to be the fertilizer for the fruit that God would bear in me someday. So not long after this failed attempt, a couple of friends of mine invited me to this new college Bible study that was getting started at their church. So I showed up to the gyms where they were meeting to have dinner and hear what it was all about. And really the only reason I went was so I could tell them that I didn't like it and I'd never have to go again. Well, that plan failed too. And that night I actually met some great people, and I kept on going week after week. That Bible study that first night actually changed my life, and if I'm really honest, it like probably saved my life. And the thing about it is that though the pain didn't stop, I started to see the purpose that God had for my pain. I saw the purpose God had for me to be at UTSA and not at UT. I mean, being able to look back on it, I can see that the time I spent at UTSA helped change me spiritually. It like totally reformed me. That time in that group changed the trajectory of my spiritual life. It completely changed my relationship with God. Also, while I was at UTSA, I got an internship at the WOEI, at WAITV, the NBC affiliate, here in town. And it changed the trajectory of my professional life. And not long after starting in this Bible study, we had a big group meeting, and I met this super pretty girl that I'd actually seen in a few classes there at UTSA. So then you fast forward to now. Lauren and I have been married for 13 years this summer, and we have the two best kids we could ever ask for. So when I look at it, because I went to UTSA, I ended up at that college Bible study group. And because of that, I'm standing in front of you right now. There's purpose. There's purpose in pain and God understands your pain so well we see that at work in first Peter there it says in his kindness God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus so after you have suffered a little while he will restore support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation guys the means of Christ Jesus was pain It was him hanging from that cross with the weight of every sin in the world on his shoulders. Jesus saved us not in spite of his pain. No, what he did is he saved us through his pain. It was his pain that saved all of us. And you know what kept Jesus going through all of that? It was you and me. Jesus knew his pain had purpose. He could have jumped down whenever he wanted, but his love for us kept him up there. Simply put, to Jesus, you were worth the pain of the cross. And if you've never accepted that, if you've gone your life without understanding that Jesus loves you so much that he took on all your sins and all your pain for you so you can experience an eternity in heaven, then I want you to understand that right now. I want you to accept that right now. So if you want to do this today, but you don't have the right words, you can pray along with me. Now, even if you've started this relationship with Jesus, I still want you to pray along with us. Because remember, no one at Akuo ever prays alone. There is always a community praying along with you. So if you want to start this relationship with a God that loves you this much, I want you to just pray this prayer between you and Jesus. Just say something like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for seeking after me. Thank you for letting me know that I am worth your sacrifice on the cross. So right here, right now, I want to say that I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for all the bad stuff I've done in my life. And from here on, I want to follow you the best way I know how. Thank you for everything. Amen. Now let's keep our heads bowed. And if you've been a believer, whether it's been for the last five seconds or the last five decades, and you are in the middle of pain, I want you to pray something like this with me. Father, hear me right now. I'm drowning, I'm overwhelmed, and I'm in pain. Let me hear what you are speaking to me right now. Let me hear your voice in this crappy season. Show me the purpose of my pain. Speak to me now. Your servant is listening. Father, remind me that no matter what happens, to continue to praise you at all times. Thank you for everything. And we pray all of these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, guys. That's all that we have for you in today's service. Next week, we're going to continue in this series. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be getting into what has fed our fruit and how that can be leveraged for everyone else around us. So be sure and watch along with us next week at 8.30 and 10 o'clock in the morning. Now guys, a big part of my story is being able to come to a church that was able to provide a place for me to seek and find God. And that happens with us every single week here. Whether it's here in our service, in our children's ministry, or in our Zoom community groups, we provide a setting for people to comfortably seek and find God. Now I don't know where I would be without churches like this And there are countless others that feel the same. So I just like to thank you for being a part of our community and helping it grow. So if you get a chance, please help this community grow by sharing our posts that we throw out there on social media each week or invite some people to watch a service or encourage someone new to join us for our Zoom groups. We are all in this together and I want to empower you to help us grow kuo. Next, I want to talk about how we practice generosity here at Akuo. What we do is practice the biblical method of giving called tithing, which means giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. Now, we know that when you trust God with anything, there's a blessing, right? And if you trust God with blessings, you'll or when you trust God with finances, you'll get a blessing there too. So now I'm not saying that you're going to get anything crazy like, I don't know, you're going to get that, that new pair of shoes that you've been waiting for, the new, you know, coach handbag or whatever the cool handbags are these days. That's not how it works. You tithe, you get something back. But what does happen is when you tithe, you learn how to depend on God in a situation and then you can start applying that to every other part of your life. You'll get spiritual blessings. Now, that might not be a possibility for you right now. Things might be really tough for you and your family. Now, things are, if things are tough for you right now, we want to help you. We're going to be linked to you during your tough time. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us or if you know someone that needs some help, have, have them come to us or you just tell us and we'll get connected to them. So for that, all you have to do is go to our website, akuo.church, or you can send me an email directly at humbi.servetta at akuo.church, or you can text or call us at 210-901-8785. Now, if you are willing to tithe here at Akuo Church, you can do that by going to our website and when you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the instructions. We also have our text a tithe option. For that, all you have to do is text a KUO and the dollar amount you wanna to tithe to the number 77977. Now, if you don't wanna give electronically, we also have our PO Box available if you would like to send your tithe through the check. For that, all you have to do is mail your tithe to PO Box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. Now, one last thing, I just wanna remind you guys about our Zoom group. Now, this is a great way for us to get together and hear how God is bearing fruit in us. Also, this is a place that you can share your pain with each other. This could be the place where God shows you the purpose for your pain. So, you want you to join us this Wednesday night at 7.30. For all the links to the Zoom group, all you have to do is go to any of our social media pages. Okay, guys, that's all that we have for you today. As always, I want you to know that I love you and I'm praying for each and every one of you all week long. So, before you go, let me just pray over you one last time. So, Uh, Jesus, as, as everyone clicks off their browser, turns off their TV, and puts away their phone, I ask that you would be speaking to them. I pray that they would hear you. Now, I'm not praying that they wouldn't have any pain in their life, but rather they'd be able to hear you speaking into their pain. I pray that as they go out through the rest of their days, that they would understand the purpose to the pain they might be feeling right now. Thank you for everything, Jesus. We love you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, guys, that's all that we have for you. Y'all have a great week. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O ochurch church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.